This is our very first episode, and of course, uh, awesome to have uh, Sandra Halo from Metopolis. Sandra, thanks for joining on the very first one. Hey, Matt. Really excited to be here, especially that it's the first one. It's a nice, uh, nice entryway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, focusing on AR and VR and AI and all these incredible topics, I can't think of a better first guest than having you on because I think we're at this point where we're seeing this convergence of these just extraordinary technologies that seemed so sci-fi up until now. But we're really at this point where it's almost accelerating at a terrifyingly fast rate. I think, uh, you know, these these were not... I saw my own job, for example, previous to this uh, change completely in a matter of just a few short months. Um, what's your experience at Metopolis? What are you seeing in terms of this convergence of AI and VR? This, this to me is so exciting. You know, it's actually really interesting, the example that you gave, because for us, the change or the, uh, just get the hype cycle around AI hasn't really affected us personally, because everything that we kind of were already looking at implementing at Metopolis through the technology or the way that we thought of the business model did include an element of AI already. But what mm. is interesting to me is the rate and the speed at which I'm seeing all of these startups right now just kind of start putting out all of these products. I mean, I can't get on LinkedIn for maybe like 10, 20 minutes without seeing over 10 posts or five posts of, you know, open source AI. You can now put it in your browser. You can now do this. It's now going to do that. So. For me, what's been interesting has been how the market has reacted to AI and how they're kind of like embracing it into their day-to-day -day models and operations. So in all honesty, I think that's going to be the interesting part moving forward. For us, we've always thought about AI because, you know, we, we have to think of things about NPCs, how they're going to be used, how they're going to be trained, what's customer service going to be like in the future, what's it going to be for, you know, just, just the whole layer of the deployment when it comes to Metaverse as a service platform. It already right. had elements of AI in it and, and, you know, machine learning and all of that. So especially when it came to personalization, which is a big factor for us as well. I mean, do you see in the very near future this ability for us to prompt an entire world just on a few sentences and then experience those worlds? To me, that's such a transformation in the way we experience reality itself. I mean, look, there's two ways to answer that question, right? Because I can answer it from our perspective, which is when it comes to designing the metaverse. And then I can answer it from a user's perspective, which is what does AI mean for them? From our point of view, I mean, yes and no. There are elements where you can now approach it through design where, you know, AI can do a lot of the heavy lifting, but it doesn't cover all the fine tuning and all the actual details that need to go into fine, into sort of the end aesthetic of building a world. You know, it can give you the basics, but it can't do right. a final proper 100% it's ready to go to market kind of approach. But for the end user, what AI can actually do is that it can help a lot with the personalization of how you want to receive data, how you want to personalize your own space, how you want to interact with other people. Um, so it's, it's a win-win on both sides, but do I say it's 100% ready for everyone to kind of just let go of half of their design team? and say, all right, we have AI now, I, <laughs> I wouldn't be comfortable in, <laughs> in saying that, that's for sure. So you see more of it's, it's us supervising and it's giving us more of uh, the broad strokes, so to speak, I guess, rather than... It's helping in the over. ideation process, that's for sure. There's a lot of help coming in with the ideation phase, um, you know, before we'd sit down maybe and do sketches by hand or on the iPad and all of that, and then we'll sit down in a room and be like, okay, what does this client want? What can we envision it to be? rather than you sitting down kind of Googling images that you can reference, it does help, you know, having something that you can reference through AI, which will be like, you know, I want to design a, 
I don't know, Krispy Kreme looking shop, what would that look like? You know, <laughs> it would kind of give you all of these ideas and all. So there is an up and down to it. But again, like I wouldn't bet all my money on the fact that it's going to replace the, the actual feel and aesthetic that humans have in, in the job roles that they're currently fulfilling. I think it's a great point, though, because I, I, I kind of see it exactly the same way in that the most exciting element is eliminating the tedious tasks right now and giving humans more capacity to be creative, more yeah. more range to just skip the parts that would drag us down. So theoretically, you could have a shorter workday or get more done in your workday. Um, as far as your clients, are, is it almost getting to a point where, it, I mean, are they almost asking about AI too much? Because I feel like it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating, right? Because Web3, crypto, blockchain, that was the hot thing four or five months ago to a level where you tell your friends and that was the new, the future as we knew it. And now it's AI and nothing. I almost can't get away from it. It's just too much everywhere I go. It's being talked about. ChatGPT specifically. I mean, yes and no, because a lot, a lot of the people that we work with tend to, um, you know, just as soon as they reach out to us, generally it is, you know, we want to enter the metaverse and how can we include AI? Uh, the thing is, is that it's not a matter of how can we include AI is where does AI fit into the <laughs> entire mm, process and how does it apply to what you want to do and what you want to achieve, you know? Um, again, I'm not hungry, but I'm going to be doing a lot of references to food, but it's not like you sprinkle on top of topping, right? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's more deeper than just how can we put AI into the mix because you need to yeah. understand exactly what can it elevate for you as a client, for us, as a, you know, as a service platform for the end user, for the community. So again, it, it, it's just a matter of understanding where everything ties in, but this does come down to the strategy and the use cases that are built. You know, and I think you touched on it slowly before, which was um, AI now does elevate a lot of the stress that people would have. You know, previously, a lot of the team members would be going through the weekly or the monthly calendar update for social media. Now they do approach it through, you know, just utilizing AI and the support of, okay, they give it, for example, this is what we want to do. These are the topics. Can you give us a highlight of uh, what would be good? So it does list it out for them. So again, for me, and this is a point that I'm stressing quite a lot is, Right now for us, AI is very good at the ideation phase, but it's not at the point where you can 100% rely on it. And it still applies what to a, everyone, I think. <laughs> no, I think you're right, it, absolutely. And I, I saw that as well as a writer that you could kind of get an outline, you still need to supervise and make sure you get a good uh, output finally. But w when you're talking to clients, what are they, um, I guess, where do you see that collision between the two right now? Uh, obviously you're mentioning different like food stores and things in the digital space. Uh, how would that? How would that work? Is it is it more in the sense that characters could populate a metaverse space where they're seemingly believable kind of chatbots in that way? Or is it more, again, from the creation standpoint, where, where do you see the clients um, looking for that? Well, the clients don't really have much of, of... the client generally comes to us looking for ways that they I guess, can get yeah, support. They're... Yeah. So for them, they come with ideas and then it's up to us to guide them on exactly how to kind of steer through what needs to happen and to get them from point A to point Z. Um, for us, generally, that is, you know, getting them to a proof of concept of the ideation phase that we work through with them. And then once they're ready with the proof of concept, we move on to full deployment. Now, where we generally tend to plug in, you know, elements of AI, again, like I said, would be in the ideation phase, um, you know, just running deeper market research, I guess you could say as well, like just an overview, kind of like a broader 
acceptance, not acceptance, or a broader kind of idea into what the client's market looks like, um, giving you dot points and all of that. But then when it moves more into the world, it again, this ties in with the NPCs and all the things that we are doing. NPCs themselves, it depends on what you want it to do. So if a client wants an NPC to just freely move around and kind of just, you know, don't interact with anyone, then we do have the ability to include AI in that. But if you want it to say certain things, there are many levels to AI is pretty much what I'm trying to say. And I think right, right. now people are just looking at the surface Absolutely. level of how um, AI applies to your day-to-day. -day. But once you get deeper into it, it kind of tends to make more sense on how it falls in within technology. Um, I remember back in the day, any kind of, um, what do you call it, any thesis or any project that had to pass through and get funding within technology had to have an element of AI in it. You know, people were using it already. But now what's happened is that the market has gone on a whiff of it and they're really embracing it, which is great. But again, there are so many layers to what AI actually is and what it can do and how it applies based on design, based on tech, based on your day-to-day. -day. It is hard to break it down in a podcast and it is hard to kind of break it down in a, <laughs> it's a, much longer in a episode, question. Yeah, yeah because the, I, you can either dive in really deep and go into how it applies to tech, how it dives into you know design and all, but yeah just for the sake of it a lot of clients they do want to bring the two together because they know that it's going to be what the market is asking for but it's up to us at the end of the day to guide them on where to plug it in and how to apply it no, but it's a good point i guess we're seeing a, a sort of surface level acceleration in terms of what you know average so to speak people are being able to see and utilize but you're right if you've been developing tech sophisticated tech for years there's no way that AI is not even a component of everything you do. So it's always yeah. within the deepest level of wiring. So I guess we're just kind of seeing the the wow factor in a public sense. But do you think well, there's for, also an ex Oh, go ahead. No, sorry, go. No, no, go. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, like in, in general, for me, again, I, I try to avoid calling things metaverse, AI, blah, 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 like all of these kind of like acronyms that we've given and high words that we've kind of pushed out. For me, everything falls within the spatial web. Like the movement we're seeing now is a big part of the spatial web. And all of these elements do fall in together. You know, everything that happens has an aspect of one or the other that tie in nicely. So um, I haven't really been hearing a lot of people referring to spatial web, but for me, that's how I see it anyways. No, I think it's a more accurate term. And I think also, yeah, yeah I think metaverse is a very specific, it has certain connotations. It's kind of associated a certain way, but spatial web takes the internet and it moves it into a more fully immersive uh experience right and it's not necessarily tethered yeah. to a headset it's not necessarily tethered to anything really i mean it could be everywhere in the world the internet is now moving into our just daily experience and kind of ironically becoming less of the focal point right as it becomes more integrated into everything yeah well you have ai you have metaverse you have iot you have all of these things and, you know i think after people have really enjoyed the ai boom they're going to move on to the iot boom because that's going to be the <laughs> The third big thing to come out of in Web3 space, I can't keep up anymore, <laughs> but you know, yeah. that transition is going to move on to IoT because previously IoT kind of tried to get that, the attention that it deserved, but I think it missed it. Um, it kind of just like balanced out and then fizzled for a little bit, but I think it'll pick up again for sure in, in the near future when more people are looking at how they can bring physical and digital together. What role will AI play? What role will the metaverse play? And that's exactly where you see the spatial web come to, come to be because that's everything just merging together into delivering the next iteration of the internet. So what do you think is, um, the next iteration of the internet 
five, ten years from now? Do you think it looks anything like what we're doing right here, having a chat, a video chat, and the silly microphones and things? Or is it something so much more spectacular and immersive that we can't even really describe it? Uh, kind of a bit of a hard question, really, because I do think <laughs> that it depends on the rate of acceptance that people are willing to move at. You know, more than uh, the tech, you think? It's more. About I think acceptance. so. I think it's more about the acceptance of people, the regions that people are operating from, the company cultures, the individual kind of acceptance of the technology and the mass adoption um, is what's going to vary when it comes to answering that question. It's not the technology because, you know, with the technology, I mean, you and I could be doing this podcast in a VR headset right now. I think my Oculus is right behind me, to be honest. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, and it's, it's still in, in its box and I hardly use it. Like I only bring it out to play golf when I do have a chance. But other than mm. that, you know, it really is just a matter of people's acceptance of what immersive really means. Now, again, this is something that's going to tie in a lot with the, the adoption rate that people are looking at because let's say, and this, this could be a good example, you know, Dubai or the GCC region has really adopted Web3 and how they're moving forward with the acceptance of the rules and the regulations around um, metaverse, around NFTs, around everything else that's happening within the region. But then you can look at other countries where they've kind of, you know, kind of uh, found difficult to adapt very quickly to the rules and regulations that are necessary for NFTs, for metaverse, and for all the other kind of uh, industries that are popping up left, right, and center. So it, I think it does come down to the individual rather than, you know, what the technology can do. That's very true. And I think you brought up a great point, which is kind of regionally as well. And I saw you wrote an interesting piece uh, the other day on this, on localization of metaverse or yeah. spatial web or however you want to uh, word it. Um, maybe talk about that a little bit for us, if you can, just that, that concept that we need to adapt uh, these spaces for different regions. Uh, that I think we sometimes think of the internet as this singular one stop, but depends on how you're accessing it. It's quite a different experience. Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's really interesting because when I put out that piece, there were kind of like mixed reviews. I think some people understood it in a way that it, in a separate way, based on how they probably think of things. Others kind of understood what the objective was of it. And what I'm talking about isn't really that different from what we already do now. I mean, with Google right now, I mean, my browser is purple. We all just probably the blue or the green or whatever Google, I don't know if you're using Google or not, but <laughs> there is a level of personalization <laughs> yeah. that people apply anyways to their day-to-day -day life. With the metaverse, the fact, if, the fact of thought in, in people is that if we think one metaverse is going to apply for everyone, that's not going to happen. Because you have people who only speak Arabic, you have people who only speak Spanish, you have people who only speak a certain language. To them, they shouldn't be shunned out from experiencing these immersive experiences. Anyways, anyways, when it comes to marketing, this is why, you know, big brands and big, I guess you could say, um, conglomerates within the, in the industry have tailored approaches to marketing and to PR based on the country or the region that they're going after. You know, and there's a reason for that because that's how you bring on board mass adoption. That's how you allow people to feel comfortable in what they're doing. The metaverse is not going to separate people. It's not like I'm saying, oh, if you're in the US, you can't enter a metaverse that's in Dubai. No, what I'm saying is if I'm in Dubai and you're in the US, you can do whatever you want based on your personalization for that region and that area. Me and you can still be in the same space, but I can be seeing it in Arabic, for example, or it right. could be tailored to my own customs. You know, for example, if I want to be wearing Dabaya, or if I want to be wearing a hijab, if you want to be wearing, uh, I don't know, a snapback or, <laughs> um, I don't know, I can't think of anything else right now, but you get what I mean. Right. It's just the ability to localize your own experience based on how you want to be seen 
in the space that you're exploring and interacting in. You know, it's it's hard for people to assume that the metaverse, if it's going to be mass adopted, right, there's going to be a lot of areas. Um, and I know I'm referencing the GCC a lot, but that's because kind of where we're pretty much focusing on right now. If I want to include the metaverse into the government entities or into any kind of entity that has to do with, you know, banking or finance, chances are that needs to adapt to the local language. It's not going to be driven by English because, you know, if you're receiving a letter from your bank right now, more than 90% it's going to be in Arabic. You know what I mean? Mm. Unless your preferred language of choice is going to be English. So for me, I don't see a difference in why the metaverse should operate differently than giving people the opportunity to localize their own experience in it. It makes a huge amount of sense. I have one kind of, I guess, not a counter question, but sort of a curiosity. Does that pose a threat if we are so say I view the world purely through the lens like it's one thing to go to google and have some customization but what if i'm viewing and even interacting with people through my own cultural lens do we want to make sure that we have the ability to sort of exit our familiar zones so that we are in interacting with each other in new ways and and being exposed to new cultures as well well you're not really confined to your zone and that's the point that i was trying to make it doesn't come down to you being confined you can still be in the same space i mean right now right me and you can still be in the same room but i speak arabic and you speak let's say another language I can choose to speak to you in English, but if someone else comes across to me who speaks Arabic, I could choose to speak to them in Arabic. It doesn't mean I'm caught up in my own world. It doesn't mean I'm shunned out from what other experiences are happening around me. It just means I'm able to localize and customize my approach in this immersive world, how I see fit for me. At the end of the day, you know, the visual will change. Me and you could still be looking at the same thing, but what's right. going to change is going to be, you know, uh, look, a perfect example. Uh, have you been to the Middle East? before or I have, have you visited? Not, I, that's top of my travel list by the way haven't perfect been. so when you come here i think you're going to notice you know a big brands usually a lot of brands they have the name of the store so it could be starbucks but then right next to starbucks starbucks is written in arabic mm. you know you're still looking at the same sign you still know it's starbucks you still know exactly <laughs> what the store is what what they're offering but if you want to read it in english and it's there if you want to read it in arabic it's there if you understand it so it's just a matter of localizing the opportunity for people to feel comfortable and belonging to a world based on their choice. And this, at the end of the day, does come down to personalization because, you know, your question also applies in another way, which is I could ask you the same question, which is if we're expecting every region to adapt to an open kind of uh, rules and regulations or ways of uh, adaptability, ways of communication when it comes to the metaverse, then we are, in a sense, asking people to refrain from actually, you know, being comfortable in it. There's a lot of people who might yeah. not want to dress up their avatars in the clothing that is uh, relevant to other cultures. You know, to them, they want to have more modest or more, um, I don't know, more, yeah, modest <laughs> items of clothing. No, it makes that, a lot of sense. Yeah, so it creates it, an accessibility. Yeah. 100%, you know, it's... The, the topic isn't really that deep. It's just the fact that a lot of people tend to have the idea that the metaverse is going to be that one overarching uh, kind of uh, platform where everyone just comes in and everyone just does whatever they want and all that. But no, if the metaverse is going to be the next iteration of the internet, it's going to be adapted to our everyday kind of life, then you do need to allow that level of customization and personalization for people. I guess, how will we know what is um, being customized and then what's 
quote, objective, if there is such a thing in the metaverse to say there's an objective, say we're viewing a piece of artwork and do we see it from our unique cultural perspectives or are we seeing the same exact thing? No, again, it's, it's not a, I mean, you can't really see an artwork from your cultural perspective, right? Because it's an artwork. It's if I'm looking at if the it's Mona Lisa, I'm just wondering, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I'm looking at the Mona Lisa, me and you are still yeah. seeing the Mona Lisa. It's not, I'm not yeah. seeing the Mona Lisa for, from my Australian goggles, right? It's, it's, it's yeah. not going to be, with it's not going to change. And, yeah. With exactly. a boomerang in her hand, yeah. with a, yeah, know, yeah. a nice beer and the other and all that. No, that's not right. going to happen. Right. But what no. will change again is going to be if I'm going to speak to an NPC before I can access the Mona Lisa. If I don't speak a certain language that the museum is from, then I can tailor receiving that information to the language I'm comfortable in. That's all it means. But you won't really change culturally anything within the environment and the aesthetic of it. You so kind what's of exciting get... about... Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. I'm just saying, like, do you kind of get the, the objective of it? It's, it's, it's kind of like having yeah, subtitles. It's... <laughs> it's exactly, exactly. No, it's a great. <laughs> no, it's a great you're way of putting it. Right. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, and I guess in that sense, you're creating an onboarding for people to interact who may have never had such an easy or seamless way to interact. Right. Like right now, we can exactly. obviously do very simple translation, very rudimentary text translation, and what have you. But you could imagine a future not that far off now, where you're having completely fluent meaningful conversations even coming from very different vantage points so people could understand one another in a way that they haven't been able to before i suppose exactly you can have real-time translations happening you know i could be speaking to you in my language you could be speaking in yours and then we can be seeing it both in the same kind of whatever we're comfortable in if anything you're actually bringing people together because you're opening the doors for them to not be shy and only stick to their groups yeah of, uh, you know of comfort no in fact you're saying to them look Go out, be comfortable in who you are, be comfortable in your avatar, be comfortable in your personalization, and interact with as many people as you want. So if anything, you're, that, you're opening the doors rather than making it secluded. It's interesting to think about that. One thing I, I've always wondered about as the world becomes more connected in this way, do we start to see more of a... Um, I don't know, like a shared culture, just a hybrid culture in terms of, I mean, because what we're talking about goes so much deeper than just accessing the internet. It really is about interacting with humans in more authentic ways than ever previously conceived. I mean, very interesting question. I think already when you look at how people are now starting to mix and get together and form groups and all of that, there is a sense of bringing their knowledge into Actually, a good example of that is the meme culture. You know, a lot of people yeah. with different backgrounds, they connect over memes. Um, I think the meme culture has been really big in pushing forward for um, viewing how individuals connect based on their interests and how they uh, accept the interests that other people share as well. You know, when whenever there's a funny meme or a funny dance that comes out on TikTok or something like that, you see different people adapted in their own way. So, um, I mean, look, it is possible, but this is something we've already seen happen through through social media, people connecting based on shared general interest in culture, cultural aspects that are kind of pushing forward for what it means to have that new approach to, I don't know, Gen Z, millennials. Um, I think there's like Gen Alpha now <laughs> um, and, and all of the... <laughs> can't keep track of them anymore. I, I, yeah. I can't keep yeah. track of, of things anymore. Um, you know, and all the things that are popping up. But, you know, I, I think a good example of that would be, yeah, the, the meme culture, it kind of just like pushed. I mean, now you can just say one word and people will start laughing because they're like, yeah, yeah, I've seen that meme, you know, so it's, uh, it's good. Yeah. 
No, that's a great point. Here's something I'm wondering too, and I, I think this brings back a little bit of the AI side. So I think this is that's incredibly exciting. We can interact with people in a more meaningful way, more authentic way. But then we get back to that component of what we've already seen on a much smaller scale, you know, the bots, so to speak, the social media bots. And then we think of that in a metaverse environment. How are we going to know that the person on the other end is who they say they are? How will we know we're interacting with real people? Because at that point, it becomes even more important than ever. I mean, look, I can answer that from our platform's point of view, which is we request KYC for any user before they use the, the platform. So there needs to be a level of a layer, sorry, a security layer of identification. But that's because for us, we are looking at things such as, uh, you know, harassment, bullying, grooming, and all of these things not happening. Um, I don't know what a lot of other platforms are kind of applying. I mean, I can tell you based on my user research on it, but for us, it's it's uh, there is a level of KYC. That needs to fall into play. You okay. can't have KYC okay, and still be decentralized, by the way. I think there's a, a general air out there that decentralization does not equal knowing who the other person is or the anonymous, anonymous sorry, I have a hard time saying that word, that comes with it. But um, you can be decentralized. You can still kind of interact within the Web3 space. But there are certain aspects where there will need to be a level of KYC because it's just for the greater good of protecting what could happen with the, a large group of people being together in one space. And you, you're saying, of course, that cannot be decentralized. Well, I'm not saying it can't. I'm saying they can't exist together. You know, they, oh, they, can, be, uh, yeah, they, they can't exist together. It's fine. Oh, <laughs> it's they can't exist. Okay. Yeah. Right, right. And what do you see decentralization as we move ahead right now? Do you think that there, there's been a shift in mindset at all? Or are we still on track to seeing significant decentralization as it pertains to... I mean, honestly, it really varies. It really varies on the technology you're speaking about and the kind of like how you're looking at it, right? Uh, if you look at the market right now, there's been a lot of uproar around are humans ready to kind of self-protect their data or to self-regulate their data and all of that. Um, again, it's one of those rabbit holes where if you dive deep into it, it's going to need a whole other podcast session. But um, yeah. it, it really just depends on where you're kind of looking at in blockchain because you know decentralization in comparison to i don't know the crypto world or the metaverse or um ai and all of these things that they do kind of tend to vary right you have platforms where they 100 percent don't care who the other person is on the other side that's it you connect your wallet and it's it's a done deal it's sealed um you have other platforms where you need to you know submit your passport submit your driver's license get verified and all of these things it really just depends on where you're looking at it. Well, yeah, it's such so a I didn't really answer story. your question, but I kind of, <laughs> in no, a way, you posed interesting questions about it. And I, I think that's true because decentralization is such a broad term. We, we, I think there's this assumption that that's the natural progression of things, but it seems that, that, that a hybrid is sort of where we have to end up ultimately, that certain areas are going to be controlled in certain ways. Other areas may open up and be more free. Certainly in a metaverse type, spatial web type environment, I think we imagine it would seem a, a decentralized ownership is imperative to actually having your own space, your own items, your own digital property, right? Well, ownership is different to decentralization, right? You can still own something on the blockchain. You can still own an NFT. You can still own your assets. Um, and then your identity can still be KYC. So mm -hmm. it's they, they can go together for, for us anyways. Again, I'm speaking from our platform's point of view because, again, like I said, we have taken on board 
that layer of safety and security where we are trying to protect a lot of our clients and a lot of our users from things such as harassment, bullying, grooming, um, any worries that people might have. Good point. It's not so either or. I think that's maybe a place that a lot of people fall into seeing seeing these as competing philosophies when they're really able to meld together quite elegantly. Well, you know, there is a sense of I know I know people have a sense of comfort behind and, you know, our, our generation has been on MIRC, has been on MSN. We've been on Reddit and all. everyone has like a fake profile somewhere that they used to, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> post comments or do whatever they want to do. This is the norm. This right. is what everyone does. But if you're looking at interacting with other people in a mass kind of environment that has to be like the metaverse, again, it depends on the end user. I, I do want to remind everyone that we are a service provider, meaning that the service we provide is up to the client. It's not up to us. So our client can request exactly what needs to happen. But at the identity level, for us, for the safety of the client, for the users and for the platform, we do expect a level of KYC. But it's like everything. You know, there are people that are more comfortable I've had instances where um, people that have kind of doxxed themselves without them knowing have been extremely horrible to me on Twitter, but then on LinkedIn, they're extremely professional and very nice. And wow. it's the same person. It's the same person. You know? <laughs> you know? Wow. But it's exactly the same person. But on Twitter, you know, they, they could be, you know, saying really horrible things, really mean things. But then on LinkedIn, because it's linked to their, you know, to their profession, to their um, identity in a sense of, you know, their future, they're more calm, collective, approaching it differently. And this is something that you can't remove that from human nature. This is how everyone is. You know, I'm sure that the way everyone behaves in front of certain people is different to, yeah. depending on the situation where they're at, you know, the person I am when I'm out with my friends is not the person I am when I'm sitting in front of my grandma, you know, <laughs> and this is just normal human, human <laughs> life and that's everyone else. But, um, and it's the same as the metaverse, you know, you can still have ownership of your assets. You can still own your NFTs. You can still own your, your, um, your, your metaverse space, but there does need to be a layer of KYC on, on a safe level of, of our platform. And you think we see in the future, because it seems like it is kind of moving in that direction, that, that sort of anonymous Reddit person that seems to be increasingly under scrutiny. I think we're moving in a direction where people are going to want verification at all times, particularly as AI enters the mix and we don't even really know who's who. It really depends on the person. It, it's one of those mm -hmm. questions that it, it, it comes down with a lot of bias, confirmation bias, um, previous history, previous knowledge, previous experience. I, I don't know. I can't really answer that. I mean, if you were to ask me, I personally don't have a problem with KYC, to be very honest with you. Like, I think... Um, just looking at how the metaverse is going to operate and the value add and the benefits that it brings, I don't see a problem with it. But then again, if you were to ask someone else, they could have problems. I mean, it's it's this or that. It's pretty much like flipping a coin. In all honesty, right. it just depends on what vision you want to bring to life and how you see your kind of position in the mix. So jumping around just a little bit before we we head out i got my invite i haven't had a chance to use it yet but i got my invite for a starbucks odyssey today <laughs> and i don't have you tried that yet just out of curiosity no no yeah no. so i feel like it's kind of interesting right because i i think we're starting to see the obviously at a very high level starbucks odyssey being one of those very ambitious projects in terms of building a world around it i guess we'll see kind of what that is exactly um are there any hopes that you would have for, for high-level projects like that? Is that, um, I guess, just going to 
excite more people about this space and get them more interested in coming to Metopolis and having their own worlds built and and uh, maybe open their imaginations, I guess, to the possibilities that uh, of what it is? I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, for us, we already have a pretty good list of clients that are looking at bringing worlds for their end users through deployment on Metapolis. Um, we also have a pretty interesting product line that is lined up that's going to make it easier for the individual to enter the metaverse and to access it and to kind of have their own space. I do think the future is going to be based around, um, you know, how can you incentivize and how can you, in a sense, bring loyalty to yourself as a company and your end user and what that actually looks like. So I do think we are drifting away from these secluded environments that are just based on, you know, come in, claim your NFT and then just leave, duck out and that's it. That becomes the end of it. Our model has always been that we've seen the metaverse as an attachment to your day-to-day -day operations, to your day-to-day -day community management, your day-to-day -day community building, nature um, onboarding and all of these things. And that's been our separating factor from all the other metaverses. We never really went with the whole idea of purchasing scarce land or the idea of scarcity when it comes to land, because that doesn't generally exist when you're talking about Everyone wants technology it to in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people would like it to, but it really doesn't yeah. because, you know, it's the same Command C, Command V, I can just duplicate. <laughs> and <Yeah. more> <laughs> a bit harder than that, yeah. but I'm trying to simplify it. But, you know, the, the idea, the concept of scarce land doesn't really exist if you want to think of it that way. Now, what no, adds smart value? To, uh, yeah. Sorry? No, it's smart what you're saying because I think, I think you're right. We're kind of creating a, a false uh, supply and demand. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Well, it's kind of like when luxury groups, you know, produce or, or artists produce like one out of tens or something like that, you know, yes, it's true. You can purchase the original, you can have one out of tens and all of that, but then you can still scan it and give it to other people. It's still, <laughs> yes, you have one out of 10, but you can replicate it over and over and over again. The value adds in the value that you give. And I think this is what people are starting to realize. The value doesn't come from having a scarce piece of land in the metaverse. It comes from the strategy that you apply into the space. It comes from the use cases that get applied into the space that you're bringing to the market. So I am noticing a big shift happening now in the broader market. And I think there's been a couple of articles that have gone out in, in the space that are kind of, you know, what happened to the metaverse. I think there was another article, the title made me laugh. I think, I think it was what happened to the meh. Diverse, like M-E-H, diverse. And, uh, <laughs> That's actually a pretty good one. It is. Yeah. I remember it made me laugh quite a bit, actually. Um, you know, but, but these kind of articles are pushing the idea of what people were dealing with previously were activations under the idea of it pretending to be a metaverse. But if you actually were to strip it down and look at what actually was brought to market, it was a secluded activation that tried to bring people together under the NFT gamification aspect of things and then that's it they had nothing valuable to add that kind of catered to a broader audience being incentivized wanting to continue coming in and what we do is the opposite so we work with our clients on building a strategy building use cases applying it to their day-to-day -day and seeing it as uh, an attachment similar to how brands and clients have instagram facebook tiktok youtube channels now they'll have a metaverse presence as well that needs continuously adapt and move with the business as it grows. So that's where I feel the market is, is kind of looking at balancing right now. Yeah, to this point, what you just said, I thought, uh, I have read a lot of articles where people are saying they're writing the obituary for the metaverse or for, for virtual worlds in general. Um, to me, again, I, I and this is why I'm excited to talk about this with you because I, I think it's exactly the opposite. I think anything that we've seen in terms of recent 
innovations in the AI space. To me, that implies even more than ever that we're going to start seeing virtual worlds becoming a part of our, our experience. Um, something I'm curious to ask you about. Do you see a reimagination? Obviously, there's the consumer end, right? When you're working with a client, you're creating a world where it augments the ability to interact with brands and 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 engage in new experiences. How do you see the world of work evolving through these technologies? Do you like? I, I just keep dreaming of a world where we get away from the fluorescent lit office buildings <laughs> where everything is so dry and clinical. Because really, these worlds open a way for us to work in incredible, extraordinary spaces like a you know you could ride a dragon to your castle and get work done there i don't know not that that's my thing but you know what i'm saying <laughs> no i do for sure because it's actually a nice question because a lot of what we do does revolve around clients looking at how they can bring the metaverse into their day-to-day -day work of the employees that they have so whether it's through hr onboarding whether it's through incentivization of employees with the rise of remote work right now you do need to keep your employees happy um, actually, it's really funny. A couple of days ago, I was uh, asking one of my colleagues if they remember back in the day when people had to go into the offices and it was a big thing in Melbourne. I don't know if anyone else was doing it, but we'd usually have like boxes of apples and pears and banana, like fruit of the month delivered every day. And that was like an incentive meant to keep so employees happy. <laughs> you know? Give them the and, fruit and they'll keep coming back. Yeah. You know, but, uh, funny enough. Yes. Because every month we would be like, okay, what's the fruit of the month? Because every day there would be like new fruit and then they'd like have cut carrots and yeah, anyways. <laughs> so, you know, these kind of like incentive models, they do help employees stay happy. And the biggest problem with retention right now is how can you keep your employees happy? How can you make sure that they're balancing their work life and their mental health, their family life and all of these things? People aren't driven anymore by the culture of nine to I don't know, nine to 12 o'clock at night and then going out and meeting with your colleagues and having after work drinks, trying to climb up the social ladder at work and all. I feel now there's like a good balance between people understanding that if you're not in the right state of mind, then you cannot perform your best. And I think a lot of companies are starting to realize that <laughs> their employees need to be in the right state of mind to perform their best because that's how you build an efficient synergized team. Um, so the metaverse does play a part in the fact that it can gamify these, a lot of processes so the way we do it is we look at it more around upskilling. How can you keep training your employees? How can you get them to talk to one another? How can you gamify the idea of, I mean, look, I won't dive deep into it because then I'm just going to be giving away all of our use cases, but, um, <laughs> but we are doing quite a lot when it comes to, to HR, when it comes to keeping employees happy, when it comes to, you know, what employment is going to look like within the metaverse. Now, Obviously, it's not going to be like I wake up in the morning and my, I walk my avatar into an office and I sit on a desk. And then, you know, but, you know, <laughs> That's what I keep seeing people imagining, though. That's what's so funny. Or you well, put on the headset, now you have three screens. Yeah. And, yeah. No, 100%. That's what everyone imagines. At some point, I get caught up in it and imagine it as well. It's like, oh, I have to go walk my avatar, put it on the desk and all. But it's, <laughs> it's not going to be like that. That could be like a visual aesthetic that happens. But it does come down at the end of the day more to how can you gamify, how can you incentivize, and how can you just streamline processes of whatever is happening. Yeah, I mean, even the idea of what we conventionally look at as conference rooms or the traditional whiteboard, we keep saying, oh, well, we could have a whiteboard in the metaverse. I mean, there might be something completely different. I mean, once you unlock 
the full potential of immersive worlds, there's no limit to what and how you can present information or even what tasks we need to create. Now you can build a 2D website in the metaverse on your fake laptop. So there's something hilarious to me that we, I guess it's always hard for us to envision the next iteration of technology until it kind of, yeah, I think know, a lot of people sometimes becomes, get confused. I have a lot of people come up to us, you know, and they're like, Oh, you know, we want to do this. And very bluntly, you know, my team and I can look at them and be like, that could just be a website. Like, let's not even call that a metaverse. <laughs> that you right. literally just want a website. <laughs> you know, there are certain parts it's where it's going to have a could... shopping cart and then they can <laughs> click it and then they can buy the item. Yeah, exactly. There yeah. are a lot of, there are a lot of, I think a lot of people are trying to apply the metaverse to processes that still can function normally in the day to day of how we operate right now. You know, the metaverse isn't meant to replace the physical and the digital. Uh, sorry, isn't meant to replace the physical. It's meant to bring them together and just streamline these processes that what would be the benefit of having a whiteboard in a metaverse? Like, am I meant to be sitting there with my mouse through the avatar, like trying to draw on it? What is going to be the value add, right? But the value add comes from what is the metaverse going to add in regards to how can you incentivize people to pay attention? How can you incentivize people to interact? You know, just shifting the model does help quite a lot. And, you know, maybe not putting metaverse as a title for everything also could help the, the industry quite a lot. Well, do you find this term spatial web starting to take off at all? Because I think that's a much better term. So honestly, I, right now, I feel like I'm the only one saying it. So if anyone else wants to join me, let's just, you know. Let's <laughs> I'll start using LinkedIn. it. I'll start yeah, pushing for it. it. Yeah. Let's do it. it let's start a sense. LinkedIn group and start calling it the spatial web. <laughs> it's true. And I think it's a more accurate description anyway, right? Yeah. No, for sure. Um, for sure. What do you think in terms of uh, what are the biggest misconceptions people have right now when they're when they're looking at, let's say, the spatial web, when they're looking at the way we can work and interact? What are they not seeing? Yeah, exactly like I was saying to you before, I think a lot of people sometimes come with ideas where it could just be a website. Not everything needs to have the, the metaverse attached to it. Some things can still operate normally how we are right now. You know, there, there are a lot of. The evolution that happened in the internet with the technology and all of that, it evolved to a point where now we can be doing the Zoom call, sorry, not Zoom call, like this podcast together. In a sense, this is still immersive because I can see you, you can see me, we're in real time. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's not immersive as in I have a VR headset on and we're doing these things and, you know, we're kind of, uh, you know, foreseeing the Mission Impossible or whatever the movie is called, screens and all of that. But it is, there is still a layer of engagement happening that has evolved from previously when, you know, I was, I don't know, 10 or 11 waiting for the dialogue to connect to the computer. So things right. have changed, things have shifted. Um, I would say probably look, the make biggest misconception again, does come from really understanding what your operational model is and how you foresee the metaverse kind of streamlining your processes. Because again, if you're looking at it being an activation, like a one-off approach to selling an NFT, to bringing people together as community members, then that's an activation. That's not a metaverse presence. For us, again, you know, and I'm speaking from my own point of view, the metaverse for me is something that attaches to your everyday. As in your community members can every day log into the space. They can get updates from the clients. They can, sorry, from the company. Um, they can get updates from other team members. They can walk around. They can see some VIP areas. They can utilize the assets that they've purchased. They can engage and interact with others. They can partake in gamification. It's bringing people, it, it's 
bringing people into your world and immersing them in it. And this is uh, just as we wrap up here. This, I know this is a big question in a lot of ways. There's a lot to unpack there. But where do you see the first significant changes taking place in our world through spatial web? Do you see, uh, is it in medicine, entertainment, gaming? I think we all know gaming already exists. But I guess after gaming, where do you see the most significant? Because I can imagine going to a, a doctor in a, in a much more immersive way and having your body evaluated and having disorders and maladies uh, taken care of. I can also imagine much more immersive shopping where you're feeling and holding objects. Uh, what, what excites you most? What areas? I mean, to be honest, I think all kind of industries have their own element of excitement. Um, if we're to look at automotive, that could be exciting. If we were to look at travel and tourism, that could also be exciting. If we're to look at health and wellness, that could also be very exciting because we do quite a, sorry, my lights went off. We do quite a, we do quite a lot when it comes to um, helping people in with anxiety to kind of overcome some of their fears through VR mm. headsets and just that whole gamified aspect of it. Um, you know, like when it comes to helping people get over their fear of heights, helping people get over, um, you know, just certain breathing techniques and all of that. So every industry does have its peak. Every industry does have its level of interest. Gaming or sports is a pretty interesting one um, for funny reasons, actually, obvious reasons, which is, you know, the gaming world in itself did have that whole misconception around NFTs and the metaverse in general, because it's like, well, as gamers, we've been doing that our whole life. We've always had our own communities. We've always owned kind of items and assets. I think what was missing is just that value add, that USP that people didn't probably communicate to gamers, which is what is the importance of the blockchain layer? So what is actual full ownership of the NFT and how you own it? Or what does the metaverse add to gamers? It's not removing the community, but it's making that community more immersive. It's making that community more engaged in a different perspective than what they're used to. You know, growing up, everyone played World of Warcraft. Everyone played, you know, Super Sonic Mario. Sorry, Mario. Um, everyone played James Bond 007 on the Nintendo 64. Oh, that was Pokemon. such a good one. That was that the was one. the best game. Goldeneye. Ever. I love. Uh, oh my god, I yeah. love Goldeneye so much. Goldeneye. Uh, there was that one level that no one could ever beat, and I hated it so much, <laughs> and I, I still, till now, hate it. Um, that multiplayer but, zone with the uh, the little mines everywhere. Oh, that was great. <laughs> I still remember some of them, honestly, like there was the one where you kind of like spawn up in the ice and then you're walking around and you, yeah, that, was, that was a good game. <laughs> you know? um, so these things kind of influenced an entire generation of what it meant to belong to a community. And now you're pretty much just adding more, um, more, more, in, more incentive to belonging to that community. You know, I remember once, um, I was playing a game, I can't remember which one it was right now, but I remember they did like a restart or they did an update or something and all my level up, everything that I owned as a as a, as a character just disappeared one day. That's it, it was gone. Oof. Like all these years of hard work, just gone. And uh, no, this doesn't happen on the blockchain because that's it, if you level up, if you own an NFT, if you purchase a skin, if you do all that, that's it, you own it. You know, The game could restart, they could go offline, they could do whatever you want, that's it, you own the, you own the product, it's yours. Um, and I think that was what, 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 what was missing is that level of education to certain industries. So to answer your question, I think all industries are in interesting looking at the metaverse and how it can apply to them, but it just does come down to education for the client and the end user on what the value add is. No, I think that's a great kind of point to wrap up on. Um, 
Well, thank you so much for joining. I think this has been an awesome conversation. There's so much. I can't even imagine where things are going to be in the next five to six months from now. Um, for anybody listening, anything you recommend uh, that they check out, any articles you'd like them to read, or, of course, they can always check out Metopolis for sure. I mean, honestly, there's so much that I could recommend, but really just depends. Always follow my LinkedIn. I try to post as much interesting things as I can when it comes to articles that come around or, or news on the what's happening within the space. And, you know, I think after this podcast, I'm going to do my best to try and find the golden eye somewhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah me too it's got to be around here somewhere. i think you can get it on the uh on the uh what the switch so you can go down really it, i think okay i, th- I'll look I into think it. i think they have the backwards library gosh that was okay. a good one anyway <laughs> no i definitely so yeah if someone knows where i can get it from maybe they can tell me <laughs> yeah let's see if i can send that to you <laughs> all right thanks so much no thank you matt